Welcome to Eddie and Mike, the podcast. It's me, Mike, and I'm here with my guy. Eddie P. And, bruh, it is a wild, wild weekend. Following a wild week in the sports world. Um, I'm pulling up YouTube TV on my phone right now because the commanders are up in the fifth round, I believe. No, that's the sixth round, probably. Sixth round, pick yeah. number 193. And, um... Yeah, they're about to pick. Uh, the pick is in. They're, we're just waiting on the announcement. I'm, I am watching as we speak live. Um, <laughs> I, I can almost guarantee one thing: that this person will probably be more excited than Keon White. I just wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> Those of you who've been watching the draft, you get what I'm saying. So, yeah, we're while we wait for this pick. I mean, Mike, instant thoughts. Instant thoughts on on what we've done so far. Well, so far, I'm actually digging what Washington has done uh, with five picks in, and I'll go in order, and we'll talk about the sixth pick when it happens. But um, first round pick, pick 16, you got Emmanuel Forbes, cornerback from Mississippi. I'm just going to run them down. We're going to talk about them later. Um, So round one, pick 16, you got Emmanuel Forbes, cornerback from Mississippi. Round two, another secondary player. Jartavius Quan Martin, safety from Illinois. Um, round three, pick 97. That was the comp pick we got from Sheriff. Ricky Strumberg, center from Arkansas. Um, round four, pick 118. You got Braden Daniels, offensive lineman from Utah. Um, round five, pick 137. I haven't heard much about this pick. Um, I haven't like researched it or anything, but you had KJ Henry, edge, um, rusher from Clemson, and the, the Commanders have three more picks remaining in the draft, and we're seconds away from getting the third. I mean, the um, first of the last three remaining picks, but um, so far, bro, like I said, I like what they're doing. The first four picks, they address the biggest needs of the team, arguably. Secondary and offensive line. You got Emmanuel Forbes, and I guess we can chat about him for a quick second. Um, I get it. He's skinny. The Bama War went way 186, I mean 166, I'm sorry, at the combine, and then weighed 170 at Pro Day. So, I mean, obviously, he is trying to add weight but i like what a lot of people said about him he played three years in sec at that weight and never missed a game and it wasn't like he was you know um okay it wasn't like he was not getting involved in the plays he was a very sound tackler a a willing tackler tackler like everyone says um like I understand the size and I understand the concerns, but at at this point, I trust Washington's front office to at least make sensible picks. Will they be the sexy picks that everybody wanted? Nah. But I at least expect them to make sensible picks. And I say sensible picks because we can talk about their first six six round selection now. Um Chris Rodriguez Jr pick 193 in the sixth round for the commanders running back from Kentucky. 
So they finally made their first skill position pick of the draft. I ran it back from Kentucky. Eddie, I've been talking a lot. I said what I needed to say about Emmanuel Forbes. What's your thoughts about him? Well, you know, ironically, there's there's some comps to uh, Dantzler Sr. who we have on the team. <laughs> so that's interesting. Another former Mississippi State cornerback, by the way. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Uh, wow. <laughs> so, yeah, I look, I don't think gaining weight in the NFL has ever been a problem. And, I, you know, I, I have a feeling this guy's going to gain some weight. The, the things that I'm really liking that I'm reading slash hearing is, you know, obviously the picks, the pick sixes, those are going to jump out at, at everyone. But for me, it goes a little deeper when you hear experts talk about, you know, these weren't like tip balls that he got in an advantageous position, you know, he put himself in that position. A lot of his pass breakups, his interceptions and, you know, pick sixes were due to him being in good coverage, having, you know, good recognition and, you know, good, good uh, ball skills with the ball in the air. I guess you could say Uh, that that's the kind of stuff I really like to hear, you know, somebody who can make some plays in that sense, sort of like a D hall, you know, but but I'm hoping this guy is maybe a little bit better in coverage. No disrespect to D Hall. So you like that. And then, you know, you played in the SEC. I understand Mississippi State's not LSU or Alabama or Georgia mm-hmm. or Tennessee, but he played in the SEC. I, I you know, I, I hate to like make it as though that is something to hang your hat on, but you know, he went up against a, a variety of talented guys because all of those schools have good players. But no, let, let's stay on so that. I, I, well, I just liken it to him being used to a high level of competition. Right. And let's like that coming in. And let's stay on that for a second because I don't want to just gloss over that. That's a great point that you made. And my man Dan pointed it out that because I said the same thing yeah, um, on Thursday night or Friday morning or whatever that um, he played in the SEC, and I compared it to Christian Gonzalez playing in the Pac-12, and um, both of them, you know, playing well, but you do have to take in consideration how um, Forrest played in the SEC and how Gonzalez played versus the SEC team. A lot of people have brought up Oregon versus Georgia last season, week one in the um, Chick-fil-A kickoff. At I think it's the Chick-fil-A kickoff. It's always the Chick-fil-A kickoff. They might have changed sponsors. But anyway, um, Christian Gonzalez struggled against Georgia. And John Keem, I mean, I'm sorry, John Keem, I, I keep, he's going to slap me if you see me. Some say Khaled, some say Khalid, you know, like. <laughs> but Keem. But Kyle said um, that was the difference between Gonzalez and Forbes for the commander's um, scout in the front office department. They did penalize Gonzalez heavily for his performance versus Georgia, and they did like Forbes because he played against that elite SEC competition. That does matter to this front office, maybe not to other front offices, but to Washington. That's something that does matter. And if you look at the rest of the defense, or even the team overall, look at the conferences they're coming from. McLaurin, Big Ten, 
Dotson, Big Ten, um, Payne, Allen, Sweat, Davis, Curl, SEC, Forrest, uh, Forrest, and um, Phil Mathis, else? too. SEC. No, um, yeah, Phil Mathis. I forgot about him. Forrest, Fuller, ACC. Like, the, you get, you, like, I understand, like, it's it's a power five conference, so it's only so many conferences you can draft from. I get that. But competition matters. And if you notice, I did not say Pac-10 or Pac-12 because I cannot think of any players on our team from that conference. Um, yeah, I can't think of no player we have from that conference. And if you think about it, has that conference been winning championships in the college football? Has that conference been dominating? Who's been the best team out of the Pac-12? Tell me. Typically, typically it's USC. And, that's, and, what the, and what the hell have they done over the last ball. 15 years or so? Yeah. So, since, since the that's Reggie I'm, Bush, Lindale White, Pete Carroll. Look at all the uh, names days. you're naming. Yeah. None of them else. Yeah. <laughs> They've been out the league for years. Yeah, correct. So, like, that – I don't know how it matters to the rest of the league, but look at the NFC East, the SEC pack. I mean, the SEC, Big Ten, Big 12 even, they're dominating the conference as far as players selected. So that does matter. And then look at the um, like look at the rest of the um, league. Like you see, that's where those players are coming from, the Big Ten and the SEC. So it Absolutely. does matter. College competition matters. That's all I'm trying to say. So – uh, yeah, more so all I was speaking to is a certain pedigree, a certain, you know, level of competition, you know, every week. And that's exactly how it's going to be to uh, an even higher extent coming into the NFL. Uh, you know, I know, again, we mentioned size and and I really, truly believe that that's not going to be a problem. Uh, I'm I'm sure this guy will have no problem eating a little bit more. I'm sure he's, that we will put him on a uh, – program as far as weights and conditioning go to where he's gaining weight and it's all muscle. Uh, Cause he, he is going to need it. He, he's going to need it. You know, AJ Brown is not a small guy. CD lamb, even though he's kind of was on the lean, he's been in the league enough. Now he's gotten a little bigger. He's not small. So he's going to need it. Um, damn, I forgot what I was about to say. Oh shoot. I really forgot what I was about to say, but, um, yeah, let's go to the next pick. Shoot, I forgot what I was going to say. Nevertheless, um, Jatavius Quan Martin. I don't know if y'all knew this, but the Illinois secondary had more than Witherspoon. It was three players that um, a lot of people liked in that secondary. Devin Witherspoon, who went to Seattle, I believe, at number five, Eddie. Yeah, they, they went hard. They went hard in the paint for him. I thought that was a prime spot for um, Philly to take him at 10. I thought he was going to last at 10, but the fact that he went fifth was amazing for him. Sucks for us, but amazing for him. But, yeah, we all knew about Devin Witherspoon. I talked about him a lot um, leading up to the draft. The safeties – I mean, the other two players I didn't talk about was Sidney Brown, safety from Illinois, and Washington's second-round pick, Jartavius Quan Martin. Like, bruh, when we drafted Forbes, everybody was wondering who would be the slot cornerback. Would it be Fuller or would they put Benjamin St. Juice back? I know that 
Quan Martin was drafted as a safety, but he played most of his snaps at nickel. And I haven't watched many highlights or barely any highlights of them, but from what I have seen or read so far, he is a very versatile Bama. Um, I'm sorry, very versatile Bama. He plays the deep safety. He excels at um in like the box area. So that's why he plays nickel a lot because it gets him closer to that five yard um line of scrimmage box that um pit players like. And he even played outside corner a few times last season. Very versatile player. So I understand the vision with these first two picks. I didn't I didn't think they would go this route, but I understand the vision. What Washington is trying to do with the team, they're trying to create an elite defense. And I know you're saying, damn, Mike, they finished top three two of the last three seasons. What do you mean? They're already elite defense. No, they're a good defense. They, they're they good at stopping on, uh, teams on third downs. They're good at rushing a passer. And, like, that's great. But you know what the best defenses does? And Washington, they do not do this. They take away the ball. With these two players, Eddie already mentioned earlier, Forbes, 16 interceptions in his career, took six of them things, took yeah. six of them things back for touchdowns. That's a college record. And I said that's a college record. Do y'all know how many vicious secondary players have played in college? Ed Reed. Dion, Patrick Peterson, Honey Badger. And you mean to tell me that this Bama had more touchdowns than all four of those dudes? Are you kidding me? So, like, I understand the vision. Like, I'm with it. I understand it's an offensive league. But in 2023, defense still wins championships. Look at the Super Bowl. It all came down to who can stop who the most. Um, Philly was able to stop the Eagles in the first half. I mean, I'm sorry. Philly was able to stop the Chiefs in the first half, but they weren't able to stop them in the second half. And the Chiefs, they did what they needed to do to slow Philly down in the second half, and that's why they won. Defense still matters, so don't, like – hate on the commanders for ignoring the offensive line with the first two picks. They, I felt like they did the right thing by trying to shore up the secondary so they can generate turnovers. Well, the things I'm liking to, um, that I like when I uh, read the little write-up here on him is that he's an active run defender and a reliable wrap-up tackler. You know, those are just extremely important as far as I'm concerned on defense. I know these You're guys. You're still talking about Quan, right? Uh, talking about Jartavis Martin. Yeah, he goes by Quan. You know, oh, I was unaware of that. Yeah, you're going to hear so, that a lot. Match up well with slot receivers. Um, closes well, delivers big hits. Uh, so apparently they think he'll push hard to be opposite Cam Curl as as a safety, but can play nickel like you mentioned. 
So the versatile versatile thing, which there's some other guys we drafted, we'll talk about in a little bit. That's kind of a common theme that we've seen uh, as far as our free agents and our draft picks is trying to get guys who are football players and yes, have a position, but then also can, you know, play the game. And I've touched on this before, I believe on the show where whether we're talking football or basketball, um, those two in particular, I know there are other sports where this happens as well, but where you get people who are specialists, quote unquote, and they can really only do one thing. Now, Hey, don't get me wrong. If you're good enough at that one thing, that's all you need. But in most people's cases, I, I always wonder why people don't try to, you know, become more versatile. But anyway, that seems to be a common theme with us, which I love. Position flex. Well, it gives us flexibility in the sense that if we want to go more, uh, you know, as far as depth, we want to add more guys at one specific position for one reason or another, that we can do that because we have other guys that play, that can play multiple positions and sort of fill a need. So I I did think it was interesting, though, because uh, what's my man's name? Uh, Forrest. I think we still got him. He kind of was playing pretty solid. But you got to remember, though, bro. We run three safeties a lot. Okay. Bobby well. McCain was the nickel last season, but he's also a safety. And I love it because which what that does is that it can easily give you a way to disguise your defenses. And in this NFL, that's very important to disguise a defense okay. because it, it limits the quarterback's decision-making time the time of his decision-making. So when you got a defensive line like Washington, the secondary now can actually benefit the defensive line. And we all know that the defensive line is going to benefit the secondary. So it's actually going to benefit each other now, both ways. All right, perfect. So let's move on and talk center. Uh, I'm I'm really glad that I get to start off. I'm not a, I, I'm, I'm not sure if you are aware of this. There is video footage, and and if you remember, I think, was it our, like, second or third episode ever where we got to interview Robert Henson, uh, former TCU commanders, linebacker? Yeah, I think it was, like, within the first ten episodes. Yeah, crazy. Well, anyway, I had asked him a question about, you know, uh, draft day pranks or whether or not he truly believed someone was actually calling him to draft him. So when Rivera and co are trying to get a hold of Ricky Stromberg, I think I'm saying that correctly the first time, and this is on video, it's, you know, one of those, uh, you know, caller can't come to the phone is not accepting messages like, Oh, okay. And so then they call another one and it's like, hello, trying to get a hold of Ricky Stromberg. Oh, wrong number. Oh, okay. And so I just thought it was kind of comical that they had to go through this whole song and dance but uh, they finally got a hold of him, and I think he was celebrating at uh, perhaps an establishment, maybe at home. I, I don't know that uh, part, you know, specifically. Just just but, an awful time to get a new phone number, by the way. Yeah. Just awful. <laughs> I mean, but you, it, it might have been a ne- uh, necessity, you know. He might have had so many people trying to get a hold of him. You know, I, I imagine, it. you know, you win Jeopardy, you hit the lottery, you get drafted, you know. All these relatives you ain't never heard from in a long time. You know my IT background, so I'm like super anal <laughs> when it comes to this stuff. Got all that, all those security walls popping like, up. Like, it should have been ready, bro. But um, 
I ain't mean to cut you off earlier, bro. Oh, you're good. You're good. Uh, I just thought the whole situation was comical. I always uh, love those kind of situations. You know, people like, what? Who's this? Nah, man, ain't nobody calling. You know, if, if, if you're not suspecting to be drafted at that position, I don't know that that's the case. Uh, but, you know, apparently he's got real good lower body strength. Uh, it, the thought is that he will compete for a starting job. Uh, I, I like seeing that. And uh, what, what did we just talk about in regards to our first draft pick? I was about to say, what conference did he come from? Razorback. <laughs> yeah, so, that and like, I mean, reinforcing what I said earlier, the competition matters. Like this man was in the SEC going against teams like Alabama, teams like Mississippi State, teams like Mississippi, Old Miss, Georgia. But, Exactly. I was getting to them. This man went against Georgia his entire career and was the SEC offensive lineman of the year in this last season. So he went to war with the Bulldogs. The Bulldogs at the Eagles drafting, this man went to war and survived. Just like Emmanuel Forbes went to war with Jamison Williams, went to war with Devontae Smith. Went to war with Jamar Chase. He survived. Like, that's why competition matters um, in college. Oh, I And see. that's why I love the strategy that the commanders, like, y'all, y'all balance pissing me off. I and mean, we're going to talk about the next two picks. I mean, the next um, three picks. But y'all balance pissing me off, man. Like, y'all want Rivera fired so bad. One of them fired so bad. And I'm like, for what? Of course, I mean, I get it. They haven't won five. Um, they haven't been over five hundred, Bruh, Do you understand that during this man's entire tenure, Washington has competed for a postseason spot in each season, making it his first season? Like it's the it's the freaking NFL, bro. It's thirty two teams. They all trying. They're all trying. And it just so happens that Washington is in one of the toughest divisions, not only in the NFL, but arguably in the history of sports. The NFC East has been that dominant. They're in that division with the freaking Eagles, who's always cooking. So it's not like they have an easy path to win every single season. Like, I got to cut these mammoths some slack. And they was dealing with Snyder, bro. Like, the team was poor. <laughs> the team was poor. Like, this man is dealing with scraps. And on top of that, he was dealing with cancer. And he's created a roster that I can honestly be proud of. I can. I don't know when was the last time I was, or if ever I was able to say this about a Washington team. But look at the roster from quarterback to punter. Well, I'm sorry, from quarterback to lone snapper. Is it the is it the strongest roster in the league? Oh nah, hell nah. But guess what? It's not the weakest. It's middle of the pack with the potential to be a top ten team by the end of next season. Like you gotta let this. You gotta let. I'm sorry. I'm trying not to cuss. You gotta let this stuff build, bro. You gotta let this stuff build, and that's something that Washington hasn't done. Going all the way back to 1999, Snyder's first season. I don't know if y'all young Bamas understand, 
But in the 2000 draft, Washington had two of the top three picks, and they selected LeVar Arrington and Chris Samuels. You select a beast, a beast linebacker and the offensive tackle in the 90s or the early 2000s, you're supposed to cook. Snyder blew that up immediately. He fired right. North Turner. He, he signed Jeff George and Bruce Smith and Deion Sanders and all that. We were screwed from the Snyder era from the very beginning. And we had to go through 24 years of that nonsense. So the fact that Rivera is actually finally building a modern NFL roster and y'all trying to get rid of the Bama, I get it. He's old school in his coaching. I understand he's old school in his coaching. But as far as the front office stuff, there's not a coach or a general manager that could have came in and done much better than what he's done so far. It's the on-the-field stuff that he needs to improve. And hopefully with Eric B. Enemy, he brought the right offensive coordinator in that can finally build an offense that we can be proud of as Commanders fans. But I'm telling you, with Turner, we could not be proud of that. But I went on my rant. I've been holding this in. <laughs> nah, I've been holding it in. Ricky Stromberg pick brought all this out of Mike. Y'all done done it. Real quick before we move on, just some other quality things about this young man. Uh, quality on the field. I don't know what he's like off the field. Nasty streak. Uh, I mentioned the good lower body si- uh, body strength. Uh, initial quickness. Uh, takes sound angles and hits moving targets. Uh, marries mirrors well and shows good awareness picking up twists and stunts in pass protection. So you got to like all those things. And again, they're mentioning that he will push to start early in his career. So we got to trust Rivera. You know, like what Mike was saying, he's building a quality roster. And and granted. I think he's trying to build it in a way, like Mike said, with the defense and setting it up so that we have, uh, you know, a a ball hawk secondary that can at least make quarterbacks think just another second, which is long enough for Chase, Sweat, Allen, Payne, et cetera, to get to the quarterback and just make his life miserable. But we're also just all around building youth and we're building guys that come from competitive situations with a pedigree and we're building depth. So, uh, you know, shout out to Ricky Stromberg for, uh, you know, making sure that uh, we keep all you fools in line. You know, we've come a long way from just throwing money at the problem, giving away draft picks. Right. Making, you know, God knows who, you know, because they went to high school with this person or that person. Right. So let, let's keep things in perspective. Um, but we, we're going to keep it moving. So yeah, and I I got the next pick, bro. Do it to um, it. Round four, pick one eighteen. Braden Daniels, offensive tackle from Utah. Um, I say offensive tackle, but he's actually projected to be a guard, according to some. But the thing about him is the same about a lot of Rivera picks is either position flexibility or very very athletic. And that's what Braden Daniels is, um, according to some of the sources that I read. He's very athletic, um, not the best with the technique. Both. Huh? He's both. What you mean? 
you said either position flexibility or athletic. Oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. What I'm looking at here is 18 games at, at left guard, 14 at left tackle, and 11 at right tackle, and ran one of the fastest 40 times for an offensive lineman. Right. So, and like I said, he's, he's he played tackle in college, but a lot of folks are projecting him to be guard. Um, I like the pick. I like both of the – like, I feel like they're – they understand what a lot of fans don't understand. Um, and that's position value with draft pick. <laughs> I know a lot of y'all won the offensive tackles. The best four offensive tackles went in the top 15 picks. The next best offensive tackles were not worth the 16th pick or any other pick in the first round. So it was. It would have been dumb of them to reach for offensive tackle in the first round with that pick. Also, they couldn't have traded back because they had no partners. And like I say all the time, the only way you can trade back in the draft is if you had a partner. Matter of fact, that's for any trade. You need a partner. It takes two to tango. Of course they wanted to trade back. But guess what? They couldn't. And they admitted it during their press conference. Mayhew and Rivera was like, nobody called them. And they was like, they figured something was up because the pick before them was the Jets. And they took a long time to make their pick. And they were like, they probably made it because, I mean, they probably took so long because they probably was trying to trade picks and they just didn't have any down partners to trade with. <laughs> so they had to do what they had to do. Um. Well, the thing so I they like... drafted the. I'm sorry, but the, they drafted okay. the. They drafted the secondary players earlier, because those were the best available players at the position of need. They drafted two offensive linemen in rounds three and four because guess what? Those were the best available players at the position of need. Yeah. No. Totally agree. And that that's kind of what I was going to say is the thing that. I'm kind of really liking about this and obviously we, we hope every pick works out, but they're kind of shooting their shot. Like I can't blame, you know what I mean? We're, we're not waffling and trying to just, you know, pick a bunch of like sexy picks or, you know, we're going to go after this guy. Cause you know, maybe his dad used to play or something like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, that stuff's all cool. Was that like, a it, shot it, at the Steelers for picking no. Joey Porter? Yeah, what it wasn't a shot specifically at uh Joey Porter Jr. It was more just saying making a pick with uh the wrong intentions, even if you thought they were right. And I just I feel like we're we're going after the guys we like. We're also going after guys that we wanted that are there that fit what we're trying to do, that fit positions of need. So um, you know, I I, I like it. I really do. We're we're shoring up the O line. I really, I mean, I guess there just wasn't a linebacker that they liked, or that wasn't there when they wanted uh, when the pick was available. So that's the only one that kind of surprised me is that we haven't done anything at linebacker. And then you know, getting an end. Um, I don't know. You know, Clemson definitely produces good pros both sides of the ball. But uh, I, I don't know what we're if, if this is just hey with the whole Shaka Tony thing we're just going to go ahead and get another guy at that position 
or if that whole rumor, I mean, the draft's almost over. So maybe we, if we're really are trying to move sweat or, uh, 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 chase young, I don't know. Looks like we're not going to do that now, but yeah, that's just where I'm at. I, I like what we're doing and yeah, let's, let's move on to the next pick. And I believe that is KJ Henry from Clemson. Um, oh, you mentioned him? Yeah, that's what I was saying. We picked up an end. Oh, I, oh, I thought you mentioned them by name already. Because of what happened with Shaka Tony, or if we're doing it because we are going to try to make some and, sort of with uh, Chase Young or Montez Sweat. I mean, bro, it, it goes back to what I said. And um, excuse me if I didn't mention, but KJ Henry was the fifth pick, um, fifth round pick, 137 overall. Um, and I like it, it, it kind of strengthens what I said about earlier about building a defense that can generate turnovers. Um, you need the pressure of the quarterback. And like you said, we lost Tony. We did bring my man Obata back. I'm slice about that. Um, I, I don't know about dude. Like, I'm looking at highlights now. He looked nice. Like, he got a little strip sack in the Chick-fil-A um, opener or whatever. Um, he comes from Clemson. You know, they've been winning a lot. So, like, I don't know. Like, he had nine. I mean, he had three, three and a half sacks last season. Um, like, that's not impressive. But who knows? Maybe you put him inside. I mean, you put him on the line with um, Payne and Allen and give him more one-on-one opportunities. Um, let Ryan Kerrigan coach him up a little bit. And um, Coach Jeff, um, I forgot his last name. It's like Smergia or something like that. I don't know. But, um, yeah, like, you never know. And plus it's a fifth-round pick. Like, these things, I mean, these players, they, they either make it or they don't. <laughs> like, even at the quarterback position. Like, you got Howell starting the season. Either you're going to make it or you're not. But it's a fifth-round pick. That's kind of like the rounds where you where you throw up your heat checks pretty much. And, oh, yeah. yeah. Like I said, shooting their shot. Like, I, I like it. You know, pick, pick who you want. Don't, you know, outside influence and things like that. So the, the negatives on this guy are that he kind of plays high and uh, can kind of struggle to disengage when the defenders kind of like get up, you know, when they get locked in. I mean, I I don't know how to take that last part because I feel like any good lineman gets you locked in like that, they probably got you at a disadvantage. Does that make sense what I'm saying? But uh, he's apparently an effort guy, a motor guy, um, does a lot, of hand, a lot of good hand fighting, uh, the line of scrimmage. So I, I can see why Rivera picked him, you know, it, Real strong guy, good upper body strength. So, and he's got the frame. You know, what, what are we looking at? 6'4, 250. Got the frame for it. So, you know, well, why not take a shot? Yeah, that's, that's one thing. Pick. You got to think if he makes the team great, this guy can help your, uh, help your team for a few years while you still got a lot of other guys just like him who are playing on rookie contracts. I mean, that's that's the real big thing, too. So you're picking talented guys that we hope can come in and contribute right away. 
and we're not having to pay them that much because we're getting ready to have to pay a lot of guys. That's for sure. Yeah. And um, quick pause on the draft for a second. This is a good spot to talk about them not picking up Chase Young's fifth-year option. And yeah. I kind of, like, I agree. It all in. I agree with not picking it up because – Let's be real. As of now, has he done anything to guarantee himself seventeen and a half million dollars on the cap next season? Hell nah. <laughs> like heck nah, bro. So I agree with that, and I'm not saying that KJ Henry is going to replace Chase Young. Like get real with that. I'm just saying that um, defensive end is kind of iffy right now because as of now. He's the only defensive end that we have on the roster next season. That's if he makes the team as a fifth-round pick. He's the only one that's under contract next year. So regardless of what happens with the rest of the draft or free agency, um, it's a big season for the defensive end spot on this team. And we're going to need them, Bamas. Like, we're going to really, really need them especially this season, because what good is it um, upgrading the secondary if your defensive ends aren't getting pressure on the quarterback? No, I I agree, too. You know, it's a business, and while you could argue when he was on the field that although his impacts weren't directly reflective a la like, you know, his fumble returning in San Francisco. And I realized that was his rookie year. I get it. But a lot of his success came where he won his individual matchup, but the other team, you know, still had success offensively. So it doesn't really translate to anything. I, I think a lot of this is just the, that DC worry that, you know, like, it's not the same thing, but when Chris Weber left and went to the Kings and he just, he was killing it and they were going to the playoffs a lot. I think it's always in the back of people's minds is that these guys are going to, you know, we're not going to retain them. We're not going to keep them. We're not going to keep them happy and they're going to go somewhere else and they're going to have success or even more success in, you know, success as a team and individual. And I think people just are scared of that. So there's maybe a little bit of thought, pay him now because he might mess around and just kill it this year. And then you got to pay him twice as much or three times as much or whatever the, you know, progression is. So I, I think that's the only reason that it would really be brought up, but you know, who knows if he wants to stay too. I mean, he might, he might want out. That's always a possibility, but new ownership, they're saying they're supposed to vote on the uh, the proposal next month. So who knows? Hopefully we can get these guys to spend, 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 and, you know, have a loaded team for a couple of years at least. Um, So let's talk about the last pick currently for the Commanders. Round six, pick 193. They drafted Chris Rodriguez Jr. running back out of Kentucky. I'm watching the um, video on YouTube, and it's Chris Rodriguez versus Georgia. And I didn't know that's what the video was, but the first two plays for the video was him getting stuffed in the backfield, 
And I'm like, what kind of BS highlight is this? Is it supposed to show that like he kept, <laughs> you know, persevering or nah, they did they're just showing every run versus Georgia. And angle on front, bruh, like he's 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 not like explosive, but he is he is taking these curries versus Georgia. Like he is he ain't like getting a lot of yards every run, but he's not getting shut down. Like, and it's not like Kentucky offensive line is known as this monster offensive line. Like Georgia's defensive line is against everybody else. Like Georgia just wrecked them on that play. But um <laughs> I like I'm glad I'm I'm glad this is the first that I'm seeing of him. Because you get you do get a sense of try hard. Like going against this amazing, like <laughs> Georgia's 10 and 0 in this game. Like this amazing defensive line that had three first round picks on their starting defensive line. Um, he's going at him. Like he ain't winning, but he's going at him. So for a six round pick. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> nah, he just like dragged them down this for a good nah, this was a good run. That's why that's why I'm waiting ooh, for uh ooh. waiting for you to tag me in there, tag team partner. You slowly nah. climbing towards the turnbuckle. I'm reaching my hand out. <laughs> tag, 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 tag. Yeah. So I believe he had five hundred plus yards all four seasons while at Kentucky. Um take that for what it's worth. Uh an instinctive runner between the tackles. Uh we're looking at six foot two seventeen. You never know how exactly accurate those measure measurables are you might be a little bit shorter i think anywho um you know like you're saying he's dragging people and stuff best traits are contact balance and finishing uh power and space uh got the core strength to carry to defenders and he's strong enough to anchor and pass pro but yes. here's, here's right. the knock they're saying that he's not going to be any kind like don't don't throw him the ball <laughs> but look, and and it's funny. I agree. Like off the short stuff that I I saw, I agree. But you know why? He don't. He doesn't need to be that because you know what he is, and you know what I think he's gonna be if he makes a squad or whatever, or his role in the NFL is gonna be short Hold yard back. running back. Like it's clear looking at this Georgia um tape or highlights. Um, it's 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 short yards running back, and that's exactly what we need. Because I was just talking with my guy, um, Jed and Jessica. <laughs> I was talking to him earlier about um Gibson, and they said that he's not a short yardage running back, a goal line running back, and I agree, he's not. It's a lot of courage that he had last year that should have went to Ryan Williams. And I don't know why Turner didn't use him as much. But nevertheless, um, I see the vision with Chris Rodriguez Jr. I understand why they drafted him. He's a tough nose running back um, that you're going to go in a game on third and one with or on second and third. Like, let's say this. I'm going back to your game again, <laughs> the Titans game at FedEx Field. If Chris Rodriguez was on the team last year, 
we probably score on that on that drive. <laughs> you give him the ball on the one, I think he gets in, regardless of Chris Rodriguez, this Kentucky kid. Chris Rodriguez from Kentucky. I'm saying, like, oh I'm so stupid. I'm sorry. I I don't. Every time you say it, because and oh my god, um, I'm going to hell. The Gonzalez kid from Oregon. Like uh-huh. I'm like, what? Like we don't even have him, and he plays defense. Oh, oh my god. All right, nah, I get it. I, I get it. Keys. I'm drunk, but no. But no, I get the vision with the Chris Rodriguez pick. And um, we're coming up again in a couple of picks, but we'll save that for the end of the show. Um, Right now, with two picks remaining, I'm feeling good. I give these mammas, like, as far as how they could have attacked the draft. Right now, I give them a solid B plus, A minus, something in, in that range. Um, I'm not going to punish them for trading back, but the ideal, like, they would have gotten the A if they were able to trade back and have a similar draft. But right now, B plus, A minus, that's my real opinion with my limited knowledge of the actual going-ons of their approach. I think B is fair. I, I I think you never want to get carried away. Um, you know, you and I obviously have a certain bias, even though both of us would consider ourselves pretty objective um, in our analyses. So uh, there's always that. But yeah, I, I definitely. I mean, again, we're we're still in position of need. We're bringing in guys who are competitive. So that's got to let other guys on the team, whether you play that position that a guy was drafted at or you play a different position. Think of our defensive line who has, in a lot of ways, really helped carry this team. Think of Terry McLaurin. Think of those guys, right? Do they really want to keep coming back? Some of them do because they're they're just that quality of guy and they appreciate being drafted and they kind of want to they want to make it work where they're from as opposed to going somewhere else. They don't want to have some sort of interview and say, I'm taking my talents. Yeah, F you, LeBron. I'm sorry. Anyway, um, <laughs> I couldn't help myself. It's really – it was just an opportunity to make a joke. But, yeah, you you got to think if you're on the team, you have to be encouraged by all of this when you see like, oh, man, look, they're going after this guy, this guy. And, again, it's not written in stone that any of these guys will work out. But the fact that you're shooting your shot and you're saying, hey, you know, this is the kind of guy that should work out. And if he does, boom, right? I mean, nobody's picking anybody with the assumption that they won't work out, but you just don't know. So I I, I, I really love and trust what we're doing. And, and I think, too, it, it remains to be seen. We're, we're drafting quality guys. Like, we're not drafting D-bags. We're not drafting – divas we're not drafting at least you know who knows how much of this stuff is is being able to be kept under wraps these days with social media etc but all that stuff where something comes out and so and so you know did this in college or did that in college or did whatever we're i'm not hearing any of that 
about any of our draft picks, like the last couple of years, to be honest. So I, I think that just kind of takes it to another level. Like we're doing it the right way. And even if like this year is only a mediocre success and Rivera leaves, whoever's coming in, they're coming into like a team that's just, I mean, should be oozing with potential, young potential. Just how I feel. Yep. And um, that's it for the draft until the end of the show. We'll, you know, say a couple of more things about the next pick. Uh, maybe it's a quarterback. You never know. But we're going to take a quick break. Be right back. Talk some basketball. NBA playoffs has been lit so far. Um, oh, my God. It, we... I mean, Adam Silver could not have hoped for, like, a whole better spread the way – like, with the different drama and stuff that's going on. I'm sorry to cut you off, bro, but, I mean, uh, he is probably just, like, doing the Mr. Burns excellent thing. You know, like, like just, oh, man, yeah. Right, and there's only one playoff game left in the previous, I mean, in the first round, and we're going to talk about that game next. Setting and Mike. Be right back. Yeah, that beat going crazy. Welcome back, y'all. So, like I said, we're going to talk about the last game that's remaining in the first round. I didn't see it, but yesterday, it looks like the Kings went to Golden State and took them out pretty convincingly by 19. Um, in game six of the NBA first round, what they call it, the quarterfinals, conference quarterfinals or whatever. Um, nevertheless, I did not expect that, to be honest with you. I First thought the, round? Yeah. I think, I thought the Warriors were going to handle the Kings, and I thought the Lakers were going to lose to the Grizzlies, and it was going to be a Game 7 in Memphis, but it looks like we're going to have a Game 7 in Sacramento, and I'm going to be thinking, I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to be honest with you, Holmes. The Warriors, they in the danger zone. They shouldn't be alone, like Biggie said. But um, And your man De'Aaron Fox, he's, he's got some sort of, like, specific, like, finger hand injury. Hand injury, yeah. But he's still playing, Rock bro. 26, 11 assists. Man. And then Malik Monk coming off the bench, 28 points, 180, uh, 118 to 99. I mean, Golden State's never going to be out of it when you got Steph Curry who can just catch fire, and then you got a guy like Klay Thompson who isn't quite as good as Steph Curry, but is not like far away. Jordan Poole coming off the bench. You got an Andrew Wiggins. I mean, that that, that team is loaded with talent, so it's definitely going to be interesting. But just the the ascension from just ashy to classy when it comes to Sacramento is just crazy. Um, and you know, I never really thought about it, but that dude, Mike Brown has, he's kind of coached a lot of good players. Like, you know, whether we're talking like LeBron talking Steph from last year, now he's got Sabonis, he's got De'Aaron Fox, like, and, and there's a lot of guys I'm missing. I just, I think he might've even coached KD for a time. Um, 
So he clearly, you know, he's got the juice. That's for sure. Who you got, man? What do you, what do you think? I was you think thinking. I was just about to say it's a toss-up. Like, and it goes back to what I said before the um, playoff started. I was like, whoever won this series was going to make it to the NBA Finals and is living up to my expectations. And I guess guns in my head, I'm going to have to go with the team at home. I really am giving the edge to the Kings. Um, oh. It just feels like it's their time, bro. And it'll be wild, but whatever happens, whoever wins, that next playoff series is going to be crazy in the next round. Rather, it's the Warriors and Lakers or the Kings and Lakers. Um, you're either getting the 2000s throwback or the Battle of the Bandwagons with the Warriors and Lakers. And, um, yeah, it should be interesting. But I, uh, I think the Warriors are going to pull it off. I mean, I certainly would love to see Sacramento beat the Warriors because then that kind of opens things up. You think so? I think I really, it's already I, really I think if the Warriors are out, I think as talented as Sacramento is, I think coming off of that kind of win, and then who are they playing? Are they playing the Lakers? Are they playing? Yeah, yeah they, they're playing the Lakers. Lakers. Yeah, whoever wins. I think I don't know. Young and talented as they are, I think that's a big like. You know, they beat the defending champs team with all those guys I just mentioned. I think that'll take a certain amount out of them going into that next matchup. That's just how I feel. Oh no, bro. That might be that might be overstated nowadays. I just feel like technology and analytics and stuff like that is too advanced. Now, if you were like older, like LeBron or something, and like um Father Time was fighting you, then I get it. But even then, I'm still like, I don't know, bro. Like, I don't, I don't know. And it's not like they playing the game every day. Like, you get a 24-hour, but almost a damn near 48-hour break in between games. Um, I know you still got to practice and stuff and travel and stuff, but I don't know. I just feel like they should be used to this by now. Even a team like the Kings who aren't experienced in the playoffs, they still travel a lot. It's more the emotional and mental part of it. No, I can give you that. To, like, go through that and then, you know, a lot of hypotheticals that kind of go into with what I'm saying, but to go through all that emotion and, you know, especially if it's like a tight game, buzzer beater type, or they come from behind or anything like that, the roller coaster that goes on there, you then have to like recover even in the positive, you know, it's sort of like, there's sort of a, a hangover aspect almost. So, but I'm, I mean, certainly I would love to see it. I, I like the team, the way it's put together. They got uh, I believe Doug Christie who was on some of those, uh, you know, very popular early 2000s uh, Sacramento teams that had a lot of success. I believe he's on the coaching staff, so I think that's very cool too. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll be rooting for Sacramento, but I, I'd put my money on Golden State. 
I feel you. I feel you. Um, let's talk about the Lakers Grizzly series. It was, <laughs> it was crazy. Kind of the expected income. I'm gonna be honest with y'all. I I felt like the Lakers were gonna take advantage of the Grizzlies missing Adams. And that's pretty much what happened. AD dominated the series. Well, except for the game, what was that? Four, where the Lakers won by like 20, but he only had like 15 points. Or, no, 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 no. It was the when the Lakers won in overtime. He only had like five or six points hit at the end of that regulation or whatever. But nevertheless, like, I just, I really do want to see LeBron go on one more postseason run, especially in the 20th year. Um, I, I have a flair for the dramatics, I'll what? be honest with you. I don't know. just feel like it'll be a good story, a good way to cap off LeBron's career in year 20 going on a run and then, like, just dominating in the NBA Finals or something like that. Like, that'll, that'll please me. I think that'll please me. But as far as the actual series, like the Grizzlies, they're they're boundless. Like I don't know how else to explain it. They they talked all this talk. Um, they thought they arrived. The Lakers put them in their place. Dylan Brooks, like to talk all that smack, and then don't show up for press conferences, and then leave or whatever. I'll be shocked if the Grizzlies signed this man back next season. Like, they they should get rid of him at all costs because he played them. At least job when he talked this trash, he, he admitted, I talked the talk, now I got to deal with it. I can respect that from him. Matter of fact, I was going to say this on Facebook, but I can say it now. I, I expect John Morant to lead a team to a NBA Finals championship or two. Like I think he's gonna put I think he's gonna put it all together. He's not far away from being the dominant player. Um right now I'll say it's pseudo dominance. Like he puts up the stats, he puts up the numbers, but I'll admit the Grizzlies do play just as well with him as they do without him. I mean they play just as well without him as they do with him. Some may argue that he they play better without him. But I think in the NBA, where's a league that's dependent on stars, I think he's going to lead the team to a title. Okay. But not this season, obviously. Give him a thought of it. No, no, he's gone fishing. Um, yeah, you know, missing Adams. I believe they were missing uh, Clark as well. Um, they're they're missing some guys that were that would contribute to that team. But yeah, th- this is kind of. In in a way, this is what they deserved. You know, they had that whole spat with uh, Shannon Sharp on the sideline and uh, John Morant's daddy getting involved and all that stuff. And then you got Brooks acting the way he is, talking about poking bears. And, you know, I mean, LeBron didn't drop 40 on them, but they lost by 40. So they lost by 40. Bron put up the 2020 on them. That's 40. Um, <laughs> it's funny how. The number forty cup coming up. I mean, it's it's look. I'm sure, and 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 this has been said before. You know, if you took the fans out of the game, the stuff you'd hear on the court 
might appall you. And that's fine. You know, I I liken it back to like the Rashid Wallace days. That dude used to talk all kinds of trash and you'd hear him on those missed free throws yelling the ball don't lie. So I don't have a problem with, you know, some of these younger guys coming in and wanting to kind of hold their own and, you know, say some stuff back. But it's like, look, you know, this is about sports and they, they kind of it kind of seemed like they wanted to make it personal. And if they didn't, then maybe they thought they were some sort of modern day like Dennis Rodman or, you know, someone like that playing mind games. And it's it, it just doesn't go over well. Like it's not fitting. for uh, yeah. I hate I, I really hate to say shut up and triple. but <laughs> No, nah, I, I get it. It's not like you're telling them like not to speak on political matters or whatever. Um, you're just telling them stop talking all that trash and ball hope. Um, you know, have you I played mean, that's that? The whole reason they are who they are, right? Like you're supposed to be a basketball player. Have you played that Charles Barkley video game from back in the day? Uh, Shut up and jam. <laughs> no, I remember NBA Jam. I don't remember that one. Yeah, it was a game on Sega, I believe. Called Shut Up and Jam. Um, Charles Barkley's Shut Up and Jam. It's funny. Like, it's wild. We're going to talk about the next series, but it's wild how back in the day they used to have players, like, actually sponsoring video games or whatever, like Jordan versus Bird, um, Magic versus Bird. And um, uh, like I said, Kobe, I mean, um, Charles Barkley shut up and jam. Shaq had a fighting game, y'all, called Shaq Shaq Fu. Yep. I used to have that game. I think the last player-related game, um, especially basketball-wise, was Kobe Bryant's courtside, Mm -hmm. the Nintendo exclusive. Um, I love that game on 64. Underrated Mm -hmm. basketball game. Um, That was kind of the transition from live dominance to 2K dominance, NBA courtside had a nice little run. Um, I believe they had courtside and courtside two. And I believe the first courtside actually had Jordan in the game. And if it wasn't Jordan, it was a player that represented them, but it was still Jordan. And um, yeah, like just a nice little quick tidbit about older video games or whatnot. But Nevertheless, um, the rest of the playoffs for the second round have been set. Um, we could finish the West and talk about the Nuggets and Suns who took out the Clippers and T-Wolves. Um, I got the Nuggets taking out the Suns and six. You think oh. the Suns, you think the Suns had a problem with um who are the Clippers bigs. Um Zubak. Plumley. Yeah, Plumley. You think they had a problem with them? <laughs> let me tell you what the Nuggets are about to let me tell y'all what Jokers are is about to do to the Suns. He's about to it's gonna be a masterpiece. If Jokers don't get three, I mean if Jokers don't get at least two triple doubles, my name ain't Mike Pyatt, bro. Okay. I mean, I I don't know. We'll see because Hooker and Durant start going off like that could match. You know, I mean, I get it. 
eventually, you know, some of the Aiton and I, I don't even know who else they have in terms of like big men. Um, what's the Bama name? Uh, Ayabambo or Biambu. Bismack Biambu. Yeah, Biambu. They got him. Well, that's what is that? 12 total fouls between two people. <laughs> So, but I'll say this though: if Aiton does like put it together miraculously, then yes, that series is going to be fantastic. Because, like you said, you do have the rap and Booker that can counterbalance Joker's brilliance. But well, I mean, and aside, Chris Paul running the show, like he knows what he's doing. Bro, that's Played going to Monty be the, Williams and Monty Williams. I think is a fantastic coach. That's no going to be the side of the matchup. Can Chris Paul handle Jamal Murray? Because let's face it, CP3 is old, bruh. He seems older than Le- Well, actually, he is older than LeBron, I think. I think that Bama, he might have came yeah, in the I'm league after that. LeBron, but um, no, I think Chris Paul came in 04. But nevertheless, he lost a step or two, or three, or four. And Jamal Murray is starting to come back to his bubble form. And um, that can be what the Suns can't overcome. It's not jokish that they should worry about as much as Jamal Murray versus Chris Paul. And honestly, outside of that, what else can the Suns do? They don't have anything else besides those top three players. So that's why I said if Aiton can somehow put it together, maybe they can do something, but told you before the playoffs started, I don't trust them. They struggled to beat the Clippers without Kawhi and PG. And you expect me to believe that they can take out the Nuggets? And the Nuggets have the home court advantage? Nah, Bob, I don't believe it, bro. Um, just real quick, LeBron was drafted in 03. Chris Paul was drafted in 05. So, mm. but Chris Paul went to college. Exactly. So, so there's that. Okay. I'm being told by uh, one of my statisticians that LeBron is actually a year older. He's 38. Chris Paul is 37. So yeah. there's that. And LeBron would uh, be like 39 in December, I think. But, you know, the way Chris Paul plays, uh, he's definitely developed a solid mid-range. He he runs the show. He passes the ball. I, I you know, he orchestrates the offense. That I, I think he's still well within his abilities to do that at a high level. They're not asking him to, you know, get the, you know, to take the most amount of shots and then get them the points they need to win. They're asking him to get the points he can get, not, you know, they're not asking him to be the number one option. So having said that, yeah, I get it. That makes sense. I, I still I, I do agree that I, I think I think it'll be closer. I don't think the Nuggets are just gonna get him up out of there, but I yeah, think I that, said six, I, I think. I think the the Suns not having a bench is what's really gonna hurt him. I think that's gonna be their problem. No bench. Yeah. Um, in the East, we have two rivalries, kind of. You got an old school rivalry with the Heat and the Knicks. 
going at it in the um, playoffs, and that should be a doozy. Um, not even considering the old school rivalry between the teams, but even the way the teams are constructed now. Um, do we have a Julius Randle update? I believe he was injured again, but it seems like this man is like unstoppable or something. Because every time I think he's out for a while, he ends up playing. So, is he playing? Have you heard anything about Julius Randle? But I want to make sure before I say any predictions, I need to know his status. I am looking it up right now as we speak. I was unaware that he had re-injured or a new injury had occurred with him. But um, as far as the whole Heat-Knicks thing, I mean, man, that takes me back to those Pat Riley, uh, Jeff Van Gundy uh, Mm -hmm. days. Um, You know, you had Tim Hardaway and P.J. uh, Brown, Lonzo Mourning, guys like that for the Heat. And you had Allen Houston, Anthony Mason, guys like – no, not Anthony Mason. He was gone by then. Um, Bruh, somebody tried to play me. Kurt Thomas. Talking about some – I was – they were like – because I said something about the Heat Knicks, and uh, I'm a 90s NBA fan. They were like, what were you, nine when the – and Knicks played, and I was like, "Yeah, I was nine. So what? Like, I always been about this sports stuff, bro. Like, don't don't play me. Like, nah, don't play me. Like you said, I I remember all that, and I even went the extra mile and started talking about other stuff like um, Chris Childs and Kobe Bryant fighting, and <laughs> um, me crying when Jordan hit the last shot on Russell. And um, game seven, like I remember that night, I was in my sister's room watching that drink, um, and I cried, <laughs> like I literally cried at Jordan's last shot, because even at that age, I was well enough to understand that that was it. Like I didn't follow it like I closely did now. I just watched the sport and knew that I was witnessing arguably the greatest player ever with his last shot. And even as a child, it was an emotional moment. But nevertheless, um, I ain't mean to cut you off, but it is going to be a great series. Great, great series. Oh, for sure, because Jimmy Butler is just an absolute dog, especially in the playoffs. Um, I was having a conversation with my coworker, and I don't know how to quite express this. I am not at all saying he's not elite, not great, not whatever, but – when you look at a lot of the 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 it guys in the NBA right now, the John Morants, the Jason Tatum's, the Trey Youngs, the Lucas, all of those guys are just like, you know, they're great shooters, they're super athletic, you know, uh, good dribbling, you know, versatile. Uh, I look at Jimmy Butler, and I just see someone who like, I don't know how else to say it. it's like he wills the ball in the net. Like the way he plays that, you know what I mean? I don't know how to, like, I'm not disrespecting him. Like none of this is meant to like, but I look at those other guys as being like, again, more skillful, more athletic. I look at Jimmy Butler as someone who's just like got basketball smarts, tough, got athleticism, has some basketball talent. Like, don't get me wrong, but it's just, it's different. It's like, you know, when a football player comes to play basketball or something, I don't know. And and I'm not trying to say he's out here just like the juggernaut, like unstoppable. But, man, you look at what he did in the bubble, and I know sometimes we use the bubble to discredit LeBron's championship. Yeah. And 
it's not to it's not to disrespect that Heat team either, but he willed that Heat team to the NBA Finals. And then you look at what he's doing now, the playing game. You look at um, the last series where they're bouncing Milwaukee out and he's putting up 40 and 50 points and just, you know, clutch shots. Like, I don't know what it is about that dude, but he's got it. He really does. Um, Since we're at DC-based sports, I feel comfortable making this comparison or making this take or point or whatever. But he has the attitude that a superstar needs in this league to succeed regardless of their skills. And that's what I need from Bradley Bill. I need him to be more like Butler with the mindset. And that's the, um, I feel like that's the difference between Butler as a superstar compared to the other players where they, um, I guess the closest person that I can say kind of has that perfect mix of attitude and skill is um, Durant. Um, and that's why I use as good as he is. But yeah, Butler, like you say, he does will his way to wins. He did it in Chicago. He did it in um, Miami. I mean, he's doing it in Miami. He did it in Philly. Like, Philly really dropped the ball with Butler. He should still be in Philly right now, and Philly should have a title. Just want to be honest with y'all. If Butler stayed in the Philly, they win the title. If um, And B stays healthy, too, because that's exactly what they're missing in Philly right now. And, um, yeah, we'll talk about them in a second. But, um, yeah, I need that from Bill. I need that dog. I need it. And that's why I can root for a team like Miami. Because they their coach is kind of similar, to be honest with you. Eric Spostra, I've been a fan of him since way back. Um when the when the Heatles first started. Like a lot of people tried to discredit him um because he had Brian Wade and Bosch, but even after they left, guess what? The Heat kept winning. He made it back to the finals. Wade didn't. Bosch didn't. He did. So, um, right, like right now, oh, and I have the Julius Randle update. He is doubtful for game one. He did injure his ankle in game five versus the Cavs. And that that's just going to make me pick the Heat even more. In this series, I think they saved the Knicks on a six. When I when was, when was your uh, what what's the like time on that? Is there uh, a time yesterday at four twenty? Because I'm looking at today at one o'clock, and him and Quentin Grimes are both questionable. Um, Grimes said he's going to play. Uh, they're hopeful that Randall can play, and there's maybe a chance. So that's like. The best update I got so far. Yeah. Either way, I'm bound to some trouble. Um, who's the higher seed? Do you happen to know that? The Knicks. I mean, it like it's okay. that's almost a, like that's a guarantee. Of 
cool. Yeah. So, yeah, that's yeah, that's going to be a fun series. That's definitely going to be a fun. Oh yeah, the Heat played in the playing game and everything. Yeah, that's what I was. Um. Oh yeah, they they definitely played in the playing game. They almost got put out, but um, nevertheless. They're in, and they are four wins away from the Eastern Conference Finals, and I think they are capable of doing it. And they will face the winner of the Sixers and Celtics series, and that's what I meant by, like, kind of weird or rivalries because um, the Sixers and Celtics used to play a lot in the 60s and 80s and um, maybe the 70s, but nevertheless, bro. That's going to be an interesting series. You got two very talented teams. Honestly, this could be the Eastern Conference Finals if you wanted to be. Oh yeah, and... it definitely is. It is no disrespect to the Knicks and the Heat. But that's a that's a like a, a very blue collar defensive. Even in the in this current you know era of sports, in terms of like what's a foul and what isn't, and you know the the limited physicality. The Heat and the Knicks are still, you know, the closest thing to that in this modern era. Uh, but, you know, with, with the way the Celtics are built, uh, the way the Sixers are built, you got superstars, you've got just talent, you've got, you know, some depth on both teams, really. So <clears throat> this is the, the, the real matchup. Uh, you know, unfortunately, it's it's here, but... Same time, hey, anything's possible. But uh, I, I, I think, I think it might be the Sixers' year if Embiid can stay healthy. I think that's the problem. I, I can't say if, but that's you know, I think that one's understandable. Because you got Harden, you got Harris who can give you buckets, and you got other guys like, um, uh, Maxi, and then I'm, I'm trying to think of that other guy they got. But yeah, going Sixers. I I just feel like the Celtics are too deep, bro. Like they just have too much they can throw at you. Um, if Tatum isn't going off, you got Brown to back them up. Yeah. No, I understand, but I just I don't think they have enough size to really contend with Embiid going off, especially if he's, you know, doing a lot. And Robert Williams is still just banged up, but um, I don't know. Just feel like the Celtics they, well, the Sixers they do have Doc Rivers, um, against a rookie coach, but. I don't know. I just I've seen the Celtics for too long in these positions over the last thirty years, and they always seem to come out on top. And I just I don't know. Just feel like with them having the home court advantage, um, hopefully we can get a James Harden resurgence, man. Like, let's get you going, bro. But, That's what I mean. When you you got the inside out with Harden and Embiid, and then you got 
you know, Tobias Harris and uh, Tyrese Maxey, you know, you got guys like that. Uh, it, that's, that just makes it tough. And I know, you know, we, you talked about some of the Celtics players and you can also throw in a, a Brogdon and a Marcus Smart, but those guys are all mo- mostly perimeter players. Like they got size. And I'm not saying they're not going to like go to the basket, but which one of those guys is really going to be guarding Embiid and having success? None of them really. And they don't have a lot of big man depth. Most of their depth is, you know, their they're bigger guys uh, like Grant Williams is a stretch four, you know? Yeah, so a bit of controversy in the NBA world. Bill Jackson running his mouth again. Yeah, jump right into that. Um, so I'll start off with the quote he said. Um, he was on an interview on a podcast um, with Rick Rubin, and he was like, Phil Jackson said, I watched how the game evolved and decided when they went into the lockout year and they did something that was kind of wacky, they did a bubble down to Orlando. All the teams that could qualify went down there and they had things on their back like justice and a little funny thing like justice went to the basket and equal opportunity knocked them down. Somebody had another name for a guy who was on the back of his jersey. He has some other slogan. So my grandkids thought that it was pretty funny to play up the to play up those names. Um Yeah, and it was just it it was poor taste. And like somebody said, like instead of taking the time to explain to his grandkids why the players had the jerseys on the back of the name, he made fun of them or whatever. And like, I know people kill me for saying that, like, saying that I don't have a problem with what he said because what he said isn't necessarily wrong. It is a weird thing to have that on the back of the jerseys. But to just comfortably and casually admit that you joke around with it with your grandkids, something mm-hmm. that could be even though the slogans or stuff on the jersey is weird, like the actual meaning behind it is incredibly serious. So yeah, to make a to make light of it or a joke of it and publicly admit it, just horrible, horrible taste. Um, yeah, just a yeah, horrible, horrible thing to admit publicly like that. Uh, yeah, it's it's not a good look by any means, and he's entitled to his opinion. I do think there should be a certain level of context. This is not for me trying to shield him or deflect. You know, I have talked to people who, just to be short, aren't necessarily, you know, MAGA, ultra right-wing types, but then they also, too... They 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 say, look, when I tune in to watch a game, I just want to watch the game. I don't want to see, you know, political stuff. And to a level, I can un- understand that. So maybe that's kind of where he was coming from. But just in general, it's just poor taste. Uh, 
you know, a, a guy who played and coached with so many people of color. I mean, obviously majority African-American, but I, I don't know. Like sometimes you don't have to give your opinion. Now, maybe somebody asked him the question and that's why he started talking. But even then, like, I don't know. It Not a good look. I don't agree with what he said, but uh, just kind of weird, you know, kind of like came out of left field. I understand whoever got a hold of that wasn't going to not report it, but uh, yeah. But the only reason it matters is because he said and done stuff in the past that was questionable, too. Like, if this was his first thing, it would be like, oh, whatever. Like, it was poor taste, but this is what it is. But to keep repeatedly finding yourself in this situation, I don't know, bro. Well, we're all aware of what Deion Sanders did at Jackson State. He came in there with a no-nonsense attitude, used his fame, used his influence, used his connections, and he flipped that program all around. He also flipped that as a stepping stone and opportunity to coach at a bigger school at a higher level in Colorado, he said from day one that he's coming in and he wants this kind of player and he expects things and he encouraged everyone to keep all their options open, so to speak, and did so very adamantly, very, very, not forcefully, but somewhere in that ballpark. And Mike, we are now at 51 total players from Colorado entering the transfer portal. Mind you, they have not played a season of football under coach prime yet, but they are headed in that direction. Um, I do recall a specific incident where it kind of seemed to me like they weren't necessarily doing right by the player, but then I don't know all of the details. So <clears throat> this young man's a tight end and just simply putting out on his social media that, he is transferring and he is free to talk to coaches and he, you know, just kind of sort of a feeler and invite and turns out uh, in that statement, he mentions how he can't get his tape from practice. Um, You know, what he had done leading up to him deciding to part ways and then people started speculating because he didn't participate in um, scrimmages and other things that there would have been more tape on. He was saying that he was told by the coaching staff not not to participate in that game since he was going to be transferring. And so because of all of that, he's unable to obtain film of himself to use that to sort of help re-recruit himself in this whole transfer situation I don't know. It just kind of sounds like the school is kind of not trying to help him. And it's one thing, you know, if he's asking for, you know, for them to make phone calls and write letters and things like that, but he's just asking for film of himself. Uh, I don't see, you know, but th this is what he wanted to do anyway. 
and wanted to come in there and get rid of a lot of guys and then start to bring in his own, start to bring in his own recruits. And I, I'm not surprised. I don't have a problem with it. It's kind of, you know, how it is. It's what people do. Bring in your people. It's only because it's Deion Sanders that is getting the attention that is getting. Um, it's a big number, though, 51, just from one place. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. Yeah. And, I mean, that, I mean, and that's a Deion Sanders thing to do. Like, none of it shocks me. I'm not surprised about the reaction either. Um, it is what it is. I do know I hear rumblings that his son, Shadir, or Shadir, however you pronounce his name, um, was complaining that a lot of the receivers were transferring. So that kind of sucks for him. But it's going to be interesting. Like, they may have a lot of players or whatever, but um, I don't think it's going to look too well from him earlier and Dion's tenure. But maybe next year they would look better. But don't expect much from Colorado this year, man. Um, We're going to continue to talk some college sports. Just want to throw it out there that our 233rd pick in the NFL draft is in just simply waiting for it to be announced. Uh, Whether we're talking college football or now, we're going to transfer over towards some ladies uh, college basketball. How do you think that works with transfers, like with the NIL deal? Do you then break your deal with that team and have to have a new deal with the other team? Like, I don't think it... it's team related. I think it's a lot about endorsements and whatnot. No, I I know, but then I guess I wonder how that works. So anyway, um, I told y'all, I told y'all, Haley Van Lith is now an LSU Tiger. She joins Angel Reese and Falaje Johnson, forming the Trinity of dominant college basketball on the female side uh I, I mean you got a girl like her who can ball uh you know everybody wanted to make a big deal the whole handshake thing so she's got a little attitude towards her uh clearly seemed comfortable so it seems like she can handle the big stage and again she can play so she wanted to transfer um I had heard some chatter that Duke might have been an option because she had a connection with uh, Duke coach Carol Lawson from Northern Virginia. Shout out, Carol Lawson. Um, pause on this. Andre Jones, linebacker, Louisiana. That's our pick. I know nothing about this young man. Absolutely nothing. You said from Louisiana? From Louisiana. Which Not one? LSU. No, it just says Louisiana. It doesn't say LSU or Louisiana Tech. It just says Louisiana. Second team, all Sun Belt, 55 tackles, seven tackles for losses, seven and a half sacks. 2021, third team, all Sun Belt. So it seems like he's got career, 216 tackles, 25 tackles for loss, 17 and a half sacks, five forced fumbles. Those numbers aren't too bad. Is he, what's his name? Andre Jones, I think. 
dang it, they just took the name off the screen. I, I'm sitting there staring at it the whole time. I should have been able to. Yeah, we're pausing on, on the ladies. Uh, sorry, ladies. Andre okay. Jones. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure. Raising Cajun, Louisiana. 6'4", 248. Let's see here. If, uh, if you're a lifelong Redskins Commanders fan, um, the Raising Cajuns used to be called La Louisiana Lafayette. So if you're confused, that's why. Um, they used to go by Louisiana Lafayette, but they're still the Raising Cajuns. So now it's just Louisiana? Yeah, Louisiana University. Oh. I mean, they still go by Lafayette, but they focus, as you see, they focus in the, more on the Louisiana. But, um, yeah, I don't know about the Bama. So, back to women's basketball. Well, you got to uh, figure, just just with Angel Reese and Falaje Johnson coming back, that team is going to be probably the favorite to win it all. And now you add someone like Haley Van, uh, Van Lith, I think. I imagine the way the game will go is Falage and Angel will be kind of more post, and you have Haley Van Lith uh, more out on the perimeter. But no matter what, you got, you know, that's the triangle right there. All uh, Kim Mulkey's got to do is just, the Phil Jackson, the Hove, just triangle, triangle. That's all she's got to do. Yeah, it, it, it feels like Louisiana State University, LSU, yes. is on their way to potentially building another dynasty, you think? Well, I, obviously that school for a long time has been known for football, but they've had some, you know, they, they've had some years with basketball, you know, whether we talk about the Shaquille O'Neal years, um, you can mention um, they had a little stint. I, I want to say it was maybe Elite Eight. I don't think they made the Final Four, but they had uh, two big men. It was kind of interesting the way the game went. It was uh, Tyrus Thomas and Glenn Big Baby Davis. And that LSU team, those those guys were fun to watch. Um, it was it was very unique style of ball they played with both of those guys playing on the floor at the same time, but they had success. And now you got the ladies, national champs. They get again, they get Haley Van Lith just to kind of bolster the team. I I, I think you, you could see LSU being one of those teams where if if the uh the men's basketball program, I don't know what their situation is because I think they had a, a shady coach, or not shady, but they, I think they had a coach uh, violating some rules that might have ended up with some sanctions for them. I can't remember. But either way, if the men's basketball team can start to catch up too, you might have LSU be one of those like just all-around powerhouse colleges where they've just got good sports teams at every – Every uh event or every every sport rather. Yeah. Um it makes me think about Louisiana's uh potential dynasty, it makes me think about Yukon and Tennessee and 
how they used to run women's basketball. Rest in peace, Pat Summit. Um, like they used to crush stuff. Shamika Hosefall. I used to have a crush on her when I was younger. It is what it is. Well, um, you know, too, you, you got to think that to a degree, this is actually better for these girls, um, more so for Lajay Johnson and Angel Reese to come back because they're going to get paid. They're getting NIL deals. They're champions. They're, you know, the college life. I would venture to say that probably women's college basketball probably does better than the WNBA. You know, I, I don't know about like money because it's always been like that. And I think money wise, they do do, they have done better than the NBA, WNBA since the WNBA started. Well, so there you go. Um, I, I'm, you know, I, I don't say that, you know, being cynical or making it sound like I have any sort of uh, reservations about it. I, I just think that, that that probably just added to it. It's like, hey, got another year of eligibility. Why not win another championship? You know, we can make some money before we go into this league. If if they decide to do that, I don't know what they want to do. Because I think um, Falaje Johnson is, uh, I think that's Camouflage's daughter. I don't know if you know who that is. He was an Atlanta rapper. Um, if if I'm not mistaken, that's who that is. And I think she has yeah. she has her hand in some music. Yeah, I heard her free rap before. That, that's a that's an avenue for her. I don't know how viable it is, but I, I don't, you know, but either way, that that's just it's an option. And so those things are factoring in. But like I I, some of y'all know I do a little music right now and then. Um, you can definitely be an athlete or full time, whatever, and still make music in your off time, and like it doesn't require too much energy or whatever. Like especially nowadays with the technology, like somebody could travel with a Mac and a MIDI keyboard and can cook beats up whenever. So. If she wanted to do that venture, just like Dane, Dane making nice songs. Um, even Mikhail Bridges, he's making songs too. Um, now it's not like they're winning championships or whatever, but I don't think that's why they're not winning championships. Hell, I heard KD on a few songs. KD making movies, LeBron making movies, like stuff happens like you can do more than your first job hell eddie and mike this ain't our first job no it is not yeah i ain't paying us we could do this and i could get paid you kidding me but we'll build our way up to that till then we about to bow out been a great, 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 great show. Uh, great show indeed. Yeah. Indubitably. And we finished under two hours. I, I didn't think it was going to be um, that. Sh- I thought we were going to go over two hours. I thought it was going to be much, much more we had to say, but um, I think we did well controlling our our excitement. Our long-windedness. 
I did go in that Rivera rap, but Me like too. I said, I was holding that up, bro. I got tired of it. Just had to let it out. And what better way to do it on any of Mike? You got tired of their Rudy Pooh candy asses. I understand. Poor Shiggy. Yep. All right, folks. Peace out. We're going to holler at y'all next week. Be safe. Rest in peace, Jerry Springer. Jerry. <laughs>